I just think it's the awareness, you know, that you need to be aware that the property, that the, the asset management is probably the most important job after we close on this building. And we want to make sure it's set up right. We want to make sure we got the good sound property management company in place. Uh, that's going to really help determine the property management uh, or the property success overall. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, and they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospects. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. All right, let's do this then. Um, so we are live and we're doing uh, Pillars of Wealth Creation. We're going to rock it, John. You ready? Let's do it. All right. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Hump Day Hustle, the show where we focus on business and real estate as our core pillars of wealth creation. My name is John Stiles with Bridge Realty, and I'm excited for another great episode. Today, we're going to be talking about asset management. And of course, here is our host, Todd Dexheimer. Todd, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. And asset management is a topic that is just not talked about enough and not even nearly enough. We all talk about, you know, the things that are kind of, kind of sexy and, you know, buying the piece of property and doing the value add and selling it and making a ton of money. But we don't talk about asset management, how to manage our property managers, how to do all that kind of stuff. We don't talk about some of the most important things about running and operating an apartment building. So I want to, spend a little time today and actually talking about asset management. What do we do? Why is it important? And why should we be really putting a lot more thought and energy into asset management? Yeah, you know, the asset manager in your business is the one who executes your business plan. Am I right? Yeah, well, I mean, they're a big part of it. They are the, they're the leader, you know, they're, they're the ones that are making sure that things are going right. Yep. Yeah. And so if you don't really put some energy and focus behind that and some thought, mm -hmm. uh, things can go wrong and, and then you, you know, a good deal can go bad. Yep. Yeah. A good deal on paper is only as good as the piece of paper, right? We can't count on what the paper says. We have to do our part in pushing and to get the property up to performance and it can be difficult. And, but that's the job of the asset manager to make sure the business plan is being followed. And if it's not going well, we need to make some tough decisions potentially and maybe do some firing, maybe change directions. Uh, but we have to make those tough decisions to make sure our property is performing the way we're supposed to have it performing. And, and especially because 
when asset, we're talking asset management, we don't always have a syndication, but um, for my business, it's a syndication. And so I've got investors um, there as well. And their goal is to make money. And if we're not providing returns for them, they're not going to be satisfied. So Todd, in your experience and, and opinion, who should really be the asset manager? Is it you as the syndicator or is it somebody else? Yeah, good question. Um, so it, it, that really all depends. It depends on the strengths of the person, people or person in the general partnership. What are their strengths? Um, and does it make sense for them to be asset manager? Look, on every syndication deal, there's a fee called the asset management fee. Uh, and that's usually one to up to 3% of the gross revenue. So could you hire somebody to do that job? Absolutely. Uh, typically what you see is in syndication, the syndicators first, you know, one, two, three deals, maybe four deals. They are doing it themselves. Somebody in the general partnership, maybe even more than that, uh, somebody in the general partnership is doing it themselves. And then as they get larger, you know, into that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 deals, uh, then typically you're going to be hiring somebody full time to be the asset manager. Now you might still be back office, making sure things are going well and, and kind of still, I don't want to say breathing down their necks, but still, you know, overlooking what's happening. Uh, but you're going to have somebody that's the asset manager that's in charge, that's making sure the business plan is being followed and going through those steps. Yep. So what would be the key characteristics you would look for if you were going to hire an asset manager? Well, I mean, you've. let's just talk about kind of what we're doing in asset management first. I mean, you know, we, you've got to find somebody that's going to be able to do, um, that's going to have good leadership qualities. That's going to be able to, you know, tell and sell a story, right? Because that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a story. And so can, can they do that? Can they get that to the people that are in charge, to the contractors and to the property manager, to those who are in charge? I want somebody who's data and analytical. I want somebody that's going to be able to process that data, look at it, and then be able to, to go through that data and say, okay, this is our strengths and our weaknesses, and here's what we need to do. And we might have an asset manager. We might have somebody that's helping Maybe they're not good at that data analysis, but we can have somebody else that we hire that's really good at that data analysis and they can provide those data points to the asset manager who can then take that and say, well, look, we need to do this a different way. So somebody who's very strategic, who understands how do you get these properties performing well? So that's what the asset manager is. The asset manager is going to go above and beyond what the property management is doing. Maybe the property management isn't spending enough money, time, or effort on the marketing. Well, the, the asset manager is going to either make sure they step it up, hire somebody different, or they're going to step it up themselves. Um, so I, I think the main thing is that good leadership, they're able to sell the story. They're able to um, convey that and uh, communicate really, really well. Communication is extremely important because the main 
thing that the asset manager is doing is making sure, again, that business plan is being followed. They are helping direct the property management company. They're helping direct the contractors and what happens in that property. Yep. So they're really that point of contact for the property manager and, and directing them and redirecting them as things are developing there. Yep. Yep. So John, property management companies, they're all built differently, right? And there's some amazing property management companies. And then there's some really not that great property management companies. And there's a, most of them are right in the middle. Well, I don't care how good or how bad the property management company is. If you're not in constant contact with them, they're not going to perform up to the level of expectations that you have. So one of the biggest things as an asset manager that we need to be aware of is we need to, or we need to be doing is we need to be providing constant feedback. We need to be providing constant communication. So that's through emails, that's through a weekly or even twice a week phone call that's scheduled with the property manager. So we have a minimum of a one week phone call with the property management team. And by team, I don't just mean one person. It's going to be my on-site staffing uh, or whoever's in charge, depending on how big the property is. You know, if we have five or six, it just might be the head. Um, and then we're going to have the regional and then we're going to also have one of the people that are more towards the top um, that are in this call every single week. And we want to go through a lot of the data points. We want to go through the rent roll. What's happening with the rents? Rent roll. Are our rents increasing? Are vacancies high? How many evictions do we have? What kind of bad debt do we have? And we want to kind of digest some of that stuff. And we want to say, okay, what are the strategies we can take moving forward? What are we doing good? And what are we doing bad that we can improve upon? Because we always want to improve. And I don't care if we're at 99% occupancy or 100% occupancy, and we're leading the market in rents. We can still approve upon something. Maybe we can still tweak rents a little bit. Or maybe we can do some stuff to help lower our expenses. What are we doing poorly? It's, uh, there's always something. Maybe, it's, maybe we can help on tenant retention. And so what things are we putting in place to retain those tenants? So we always want to look at our, our biggest weaknesses and try to solve those as quickly as, and efficiently as possible. And those, that's through that constant communication with that property management. I think where people fail is they have calls once every month, once every two months, once maybe even every three or four months, or they just don't even have phone calls. And they expect the property management to be following their business plan and they don't understand why it's not going so well. It's because you don't have that constant communication. So for me, we have a weekly call. I'm also typically emailing the property management company, my main contact there, at least two to three times a week. And I typically have a, just a conversation with him at least another time every week. So I'm usually in contact between my emails, my scheduled phone call, and just the random phone call at least four times per week with 
the property management company. You might say, holy cow, that's a lot. They're going to hate you. Well, maybe they do, but you know what? They get stuff done that we want to get done. So that's really important. You got to almost, I don't want to say you have to be a thorn in their side, but you have to be top of mind. And I think that's really important. Yep. Well, that certainly sets the tone with them, right? I mean, if they're expecting the phone call and they have to bring these reports and they have to be ready and prepared for that phone call, then they're going to get their act together, you know? Yep. Whereas yep. if it's, oh, I don't have to talk to that guy for another couple of months, then other things come up and they get distracted. Yeah, and your job as, a, as an asset manager is to, to hold them accountable too. If, if they show up to the call and they're not prepared, they don't have the answers, you got to say, well, look, guys, uh, this, that's not acceptable. And next week's phone call, I'm expecting the numbers that we need to have. And, and so they can understand what you're really looking for. And maybe you have to work them into it um, over several you know, weeks or months of, look, uh, you know, yeah, sure. We have the rent world. We went through that. We went through this. We went through this, but we didn't. I want to add what our bad debt ratio is. Uh, and then the next time I want to add how many evictions we had next time I want to add. And so we're always constantly improving. Again, it's all about improvement for our property, for our property manager, and the other thing is selling the story. I want them to understand the story. I want them to understand really what do I want to achieve? Is it about financial performance? Absolutely. But is it also about the community we're creating for our tenants? The positive impact we're making on the overall community as a whole and our apartment community. And what, how are we doing that? What are we doing to achieve positive impact? And for me, that's really important. I don't want to just take and squeeze every last dollar out of this property and abuse my tenants who are the lifeblood of my property. I want to make sure they're being taken care of. So are we doing the things that we need to, to take care of our tenants? Are we doing the things we need to, to improve their experience when they're at our property and and are they telling their friends and family and you know how is that looking too so for me as the asset manager I want to really make sure they understand look we care we care about our tenants we care about how they perceive this property and we want them to have an experience that they really enjoy and hopefully that's going to keep them in that property for years to come. And if my property management company and if my on-site staff know that and believe it, I feel like they're going to have a lot better chance of having success at performing that way versus if they think it's all about the dollar because then they're only going to be concerned about financial performance and they're not going to care about the tenant. That, that's really setting the brand of the apartment that you own um, for the world, you know, and, and who it most impacts right there is the tenants and the people that want to live there as opposed to wanting to get out of there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Look, I mean, we don't want our apartment to be a revolving door. And, and ultimately I feel like if we focus on the tenant and their experience and we focus on providing them, you know, safe, affordable, and sound housing, 
then we're going to ultimately be rewarded with financial success in our apartment building. If we can focus on that. I don't think we have a problem with making money, but if we focus on the money, I feel like then there's challenges. Yeah. And we haven't heard that from in any other way. Have we, <laughs> you know, if you focus on the money in your life, you know, what are you going to lose? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's just it. That's, it's important to focus on, what effect you're making, you know, uh, for, for what kind of impact are you making? The bigger impact you make, the, the more positive impact you make, um, you know, the, the more you're going to achieve or even, you know, in, in unfortunate cases, the, the more negative impact you make, the, the more they achieve in a negative way. Um, but obviously that's not my goal. <laughs> hey, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Pine Financial Group. Look, you work hard for your money. Is your money working hard for you? Because of inflation, money sitting idle erodes your wealth. Many investors understand that real estate is a great investment, but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property. They want to sit back and have payments, hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building it by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. So Todd, you know, as you're, as an asset manager is working with the property manager and communicating all this, um, obviously there's going to be some give and takes. There's a learning process. But at what point do you kind of determine that maybe this is not the right management company to continue with? At what type, what point do you, you know, cut ties and decide it's time to move on? Yeah. And, and this is something I struggle with because I, uh, it, it's difficult to get rid of property management companies, right? Because they're, you know, they're, they're the life of your property and they're extremely important, but you ultimately will have to make that tough decision if there's things that, may, maybe there's things that don't add up. Maybe there's accounting errors that are happening way too often. Maybe there's um, a performance that just isn't going the way it should be. Uh, you know, the, the, the area has 94% occupancy and your properties currently and has always steadily been at 91% occupancy. Um, and it doesn't seem like there's movement there. Um, you know, that, that type of thing. So, uh, of course, you know, honesty and integrity and all that kind of stuff, if they're not doing the job you think they're going to do, if they're not treating your tenants the way you think they should be treating your tenants. Uh, I think one of the biggest things, so when we're talking about small, let, let me break this down. Okay. We got, we got smaller properties 
and we've got larger properties. And by smaller properties, I mean under, let's call it 75 units. By larger properties, over 75 units. So seven. So why why the difference? Real quick, the why the difference? 75 and above, I can typically have on-site management, right? I have not, not the management company. The management company is still going to be a big company that has units all over the place, just like these small companies. But I've got a maintenance person and I've got a kind of a leasing person or on-site, you know, uh, whatever you want to call them, staff. Um, so that's the 75 plus. And honestly, it's more of a hundred plus, but for, for intent and purposes, we'll just say 75. Okay. And then the smaller properties, we don't have that. We have a maintenance call. They got to drive to the property. Okay. So let's talk about the big property real quick. And when we're looking at firing, why would we fire a management company? Or what are we looking for as quality in our management company? It's super important that your management company supports your on-site staff. Are they providing them with the training tools that they need to be able to achieve success? Are they providing with, um, you know, with the support level they need in order to make sure all the paperwork and all the books and all that kind of stuff is in order? Are they understanding um, our whole marketing plan are they understanding how to communicate properly with tenants? Are they trained in that? Uh, are they trained in difficult situations with tenants and know how to handle it in a positive way and not get in a pissing match with the tenants? So are they being trained, honestly? And are they being supported? Do they understand A to Z, what needs to happen at the property? And do they understand our business model, our business plan, and what we want to achieve. If the case, if the answer is no, and we've tried to communicate the need for that with our property management company, but the property management company isn't providing that support, then it's time for the property management to go bye-bye. Because that person that's on site, especially if you like them, if you think they're doing a good job, if they had more support, guess what? When you fire the property management company, they can stay on as an employee with the new property management company uh, that you hire as well. So now when we're talking small um, buildings, I think, you know, you don't have that, but do you have maintenance calls that are being handled properly? Do you have uh, your your units being leased up properly, and and so it's a little bit different a story. But are are I I would say are they are they getting the the people out there as quickly as needed? Do you feel like you've got good quality people? Um, that would be definitely big on the some of those smaller uh, properties as well. Yeah, and as you uh, you know review these different things in your frequent meetings and phone calls. You know, I would I would expect you you would give them maybe a certain amount of time to get the numbers up where they need to be. You know, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a month or whatever. And then as you return to that, you can say, you know, why are we not on pace to where we're supposed to be? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's several several months yeah. worth of worth of trying to get them where they need to go and. Um, 
maybe, maybe it depends on the property too, honestly. Like if it's a big value add property and it's distressed and there's, there's a lot of hard work to do, it's going to be a lot more difficult to fire them quickly because man, I mean the performance, how, how do we, how do we justify firing them and hiring somebody else? But and there, eventually there comes a time where you have to just say, look, it's not working. You're not doing the job you need, need I need you to do. And we're going to move on to somebody else. And I think that needs to come sooner than later in most cases. And, and I make that error myself that it should come sooner at times um, when we're talking about hiring and firing anybody. Uh, it's just nobody likes doing that. I don't think anybody likes telling somebody they're, they're fired. Yeah, it's well, not. Maybe, maybe some people do. Maybe huh. Trump seemed to like it a lot when he was on the, on his TV show. But right. nice. Okay. Well, what else can we kind of be intentional about as when we're thinking about an asset manager? You know, what are people missing in this topic? I just think it's the awareness. You know, that you need to be aware that the property that the the asset management is probably the most important job after we close on this building. And we want to make sure it's set up right. We want to make sure we got the good sound property management company in place. Uh, that's going to really help determine the property management uh, or the property success overall. Uh, the, the other thing too is like, what's the, what's the leadership in this property management company? Who's your leader? Who are you dealing with? And how, what kind of leader do you think they are? Do you feel like they're going to be able to make tough decisions? Will they fire people that are on site when they need to? Will they make quick decisions? Um, and are they providing the support necessary? So you've got to look at your regional. You've got to look at your um, whoever you're dealing with towards the top. And you've got to decide, are they the right people too? Um, and if you don't feel they are, it's time to pivot and make a move. So the asset manager is such a such an important position. If you can't handle that as the general partner, you need to, need to, need to find somebody else that can to be on your team. And again, that's why we charge an asset management fee as a syndicator is so we can hire somebody. And that, you know, depends on the asset management fee, but and typically on a, on a deal you're syndicating, it's anywhere between 20 and up to $75,000, maybe even more depending on the size of the property. Yeah. So this is just slightly off topic, but then if, if the general partners are not the asset managers, what is their role going forward? Is the asset manager? Yeah, I mean, for, first of all, they're they're making sure that asset managers doing doing the the right job, and the general partner did a lot of things up front. They found the property, um, they you know built those relationships with the brokers, and they negotiated the deal. They got the financing on the deal. They likely signed on the loan on the deal, um, and then they're you know obviously doing investor communications. Um, they're paying the asset manager. Um, they're making sure the asset manager gets paid and is doing their job. Um, they're hopefully flying out to the properties as well and, and making sure the progress is happening the way it should. Um, and then at the end, they're making the tough decision too on when is it time to, to sell? Uh, is it time to refinance? Uh, what do we do with the property and how to do, how do we get rid of that property? How do we sell it? Um, and so 
they're in charge of a lot of the financials and all that kind of stuff as well and making sure things are going right. So they still have a job to do. Uh, even if you hire an asset manager, you still have stuff to do. I mean, it's, it's, it's important as the GP that you continue to make sure your properties are running the way they should. Right. Makes sense. GP gets paid. GP gets paid on a few things. They, I would say a GP does not get paid on the asset management. Now they might if they are the asset manager, but that's another fee, right? So the GP is getting paid on finding, locating, negotiating the property. They're getting paid on signing on the loan. They're getting paid on raising the capital. And then they're getting paid at the overall, you know, following through with the business plan managing. And then the last thing is they're getting paid on disposition. So that's how you're earning your general partner kind of uh, equity stake in the property. Yep. So if you're hiring an outside asset manager, you typically look for one that's in the market that the property is in or does it matter? Um, I don't know that it necessarily matters. I mean, it, you're going to have to send them on a plane if, if they're not local to that property, but I don't know that it necessarily matters because most of the stuff we're doing is on the phone. Could it help? Yeah. If you're, if you have enough assets centrally located within a certain area, uh, I think it, it would be definitely nice and helpful to have an asset manager that's located near or in that city. Um, but you know, I, I don't think it's a hundred percent needed. No. Yeah. It makes sense. That's, that's one thing I was wondering about is if they aren't local, then you have that airplane flight every, you know, twice a year, whatever it is to get out there and be at the property. Yeah. I'd say, you know, you want to make sure somebody's out there at least quarterly minimum, um, to make sure the property's actually doing, uh, what they need to do. It's nice to have that face to face. And so I, I would think quarterly would be definitely necessary. Good. Well, you know, I think we covered most of the topic there. So yep. Yep. No, I, I think that's it. Um, I think it's just an important topic that people need to be aware of that we probably need to start spending more time. People that are trying to educate people on, you know, buying assets, uh, spending more time on the importance of asset management. And so that's something that I, I want to do and continue to support people that are looking at purchasing so multifamily or even commercial assets, uh, what, what do we actually need to do to have success on these properties beyond the buy or the raise? Yep. So cool. That's it, John. Um, you got anything else you want to add before we wrap? No, I think that's it. I'll just say that for those, if anybody's tuned in to the live broadcast, be sure to comment below so we know you're there and, you know, let us know what your experience has been uh, working with an asset manager or getting ready to work with one. And how do you really communicate that business plan and that kind of company culture that you're trying to set so that it goes down all the way to the tenant experience? Um, so, yeah. So I, I think anybody who's still listening at this point in time, I'd love to hear one thing one big thing that they took from this episode that they plan on implementing either when they buy their first property or if they've already bought the, a property, something that they're maybe not doing. So one thing that you think you can implement or really learn a value on this, uh, on this episode. And then 
also, I would love you to comment on if you have a question, that would be great. Or if you have something you want to add as far as dialogue, uh, let's do that. So let's make some dialogue here on these, on these uh, Facebook lives. I think that would be great. And uh, even if you aren't listening to Facebook Live, you're listening to just our podcast as it comes out, you can go on to my Facebook, the, the Facebook page, our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth Creation, and you can make some comments there. Um, or you can go on to YouTube, right, and make some comments there too. All right. What you do is look up Pillars of Wealth Creation. So We're all over the place. Wonderful. All right, Todd. All right, John, you take care. Make every day Saturday. You too. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go. Again, go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday.